Welcome to the Mobile Dev Memo Podcast. This week I am speaking with Maurer Sadra, who has a long history in mobile ad tech. He is the founder and CEO of Incremental, and prior to Incremental, Maurer was the CEO of AppLift, a mobile advertising network that was recently acquired by PubNative. I speak with Maurer about the impact of Apple's recent announcement at WWDC of limiting access to the IDFA with an opt-in mechanic and how that decision is currently reverberating throughout the mobile ecosystem. If you work in mobile advertising and have not been in a coma for the past three weeks, you are likely very familiar with Apple's decision to essentially deprecate the IDFA and are potentially sick of hearing about it. But I think this is probably the most monumental and impactful ecosystem development that has ever taken place in mobile. And it'll change everything, literally everything, from advertising to app economy design to lifecycle management, about how users install and interact with apps. And precisely because this development is so immense, everyone is tormented by the uncertainty of this moment. We don't know what the full implementation of SK Ad Network will look like. We don't know what, the, what percentage of people will opt into ad tracking. We don't know when or if Google will follow suit, and so on. I was speaking to a friend the other day about the current situation, and he described it as surfing in a squall. We are trying to keep our heads above water while we wait for this turbulence to end. I like that metaphor, so I've decided to use it as the name of this podcast. Please enjoy my conversation with Maurer Sadra. Welcome to the Very Irregular Mobile Dev Memo podcast. I am joined today by my friend Maurer Sadra. Did I pronounce both of those names correctly? Yeah, yeah, fair, fairly close accurate. To correctly. Um, I've known Maurer for a long time. Uh, I was just thinking about this last night. I met Maurer when he joined AppLift and we went out for lunch and I'm blanking on your boss's name. Back then it was Kaya Tanner. Kaya, yeah, I was thinking Kaya, yeah, Kaya. And we went out to lunch at a sushi restaurant and Kaya had lived in Japan, I guess. And um, he had kind of like samurai level skills with chopsticks. And I, I'm not bad with chop. I can eat with chop. I can use chopsticks capably to eat sushi. But for whatever reason that day, I had like two, you know, two thumbs on my hand, uh, and I just couldn't get the chopsticks to work. And so he got like really upset. I mean, not not in like a you know in, in an angry way. It was kind of a fun way. But he just he was he was like mystified that I couldn't use chopsticks. And so then he asked the waitress if they had like some sort of like mechanical chopstick that I could use. Cause I think he just, he like, he couldn't stomach seeing me eating with like sushi with my hands. Anyway, uh, that was when we first met, uh, me and me embarrassing myself, um, with, with my lack of worldliness in being able to, uh, masterfully eat with chopsticks. Uh, and that was probably 2015. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Good memory, Eric. So a long time ago. Um, okay. So, uh, Maurer, I've just introduced you, but I would, uh, I, I think it would be helpful if you kind of uh, take listeners through your background. Yeah, sure. Happy to. And thanks, by the way, for the invitation. So I'm, uh, yeah, I've been in the ed tech industry, basically, for the last close to 20 years. Um, you know, why, the reason why Applet brought me on in early days was, um, like, they met me in a conference. I was working at Interactive before this, like a mobile SSP who was bought by Fiber. And I remember talking with Tim Koshela back then, CEO and co-founder of AppLift. And what he saw was like, this guy knows everything about uh, programmatic, about ethic, about media. And they really wanted me. So I remember that they called me and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to move to Berlin. 
And then they're like, we're going to invite you, uh, you know, to meet a bunch of people. And all I thought was, ah, oh, cool, free trip to Berlin. And then I, yeah, when I came, it was obvious that it was a young company, very entrepreneurial. Uh, they were only working with gaming companies back then. They were like generating $24, $25 million. Um, but they had no clue about this industry. And uh, I remember team used to say that I've been in the ethics space since I was like five, uh, which is not far from reality. And yeah, I think when I came, it was like many things for me that the company was doing uh, were great, but many things were obvious that they're like missing out on. So yeah, I started growing there in the company, um, changing how we do things. We acquired a DSP within my first five months. And then I became chief revenue officer. Uh, we grew revenues, we grew offices. And yeah, I would say that I finished my role there as CEO for the last two years, um, sold the company, um, did a bunch of M&A with the company who bought us, and then uh, yeah, starting a new company. Now, when I was in Uplift, so before Uplift, I was on the supply side. Interactive was an SSP, you know, we worked with publishers. It was all about the SDK monetization. With Uplift, it was about distribution. We were a performance marketing company working with app developers to help them promote the app. And I didn't really, like I knew the attribution companies mostly just because I knew Oren and Reshev, the founders of AppSlayer since they were like day one. Uh, but I didn't know how attribution worked. And I remember when Tim told me, oh yeah, Facebook is self-attributing. And I was like, what? And then I started drilling into this world and I was pretty much shocked. Like, like why does this work like this? How does this work? And then when I started drilling into this further, understanding that like, the average attribution company has a 10 to 50% discrepancies between what they count, what Facebook claims, what Google claims, what other self-attributing platforms claims, it started driving me crazy. And then of course, when like our industry started going wild about fraud, I remember talking with Machine Zone, now I guess I can use their name, um, and they had a pretty big fraud dispute. I was like, guys, why, why, do you why don't you just block it on your attribution side? Like how you want to track, what do you want to track? Me as a media, like, you know, I'm, I'm at the end, I'm a, like I'm connecting publishers to advertisers. That's what I do in Uplift. Like I have very little control and because the world we live in is so big, like none of us know if the user actually saw an ad and clicked on it. We hope for the best, but that's not really my job. It's kind of like your attribution company's job to do so. And I remember like when Machine Zone had the first fraud dispute, I was like, guys, why don't you just fix it with Kochava? And honestly, I found that what the attribution companies did, like spin off attribution fraud as fraud and charge customers for like an anti-fraud solution. In a way, it's kind of like a business genius move but like personally, I thought this is like a sucky move, pardon my French. I remember in 2017, I tried to speak with the companies. Like, hey, let's create standards, okay? Standards as in what should be legitimized as a, this is a, like, you know, a real conversion and what shouldn't. Add things like add format in the post back. Um, force networks to kind of report, this is a banner, this is a video, because when the attribution company started, you know, what they did about like anti-fraud, everything was based on the clicks. But like, honestly, if you are a DSP and you uh, spam users with a quazillion uh, impressions on banners or one by one pixel, 
and you win the attribution on false view, it's just as bad. Now, it really started like annoying me that I saw that the world is actually going into even more self-attribution. Like more and more big vendors are developing their own and operated and going to our self-attribution. So um, yeah, I didn't wanna, um, I, I saw that I cannot fix it. So yeah, I'm starting a new company um, whose whole purpose is value measurement. And we can elaborate on that later. I really don't wanna be promotional here, but the problem hits me I guess where it hurts. It will be a little promotional. Share the company's name. <laughs> ah, sure. Yeah, so I'm starting an incremental with a co-founder um, who I worked with in the past. Yeah, the whole purpose of what we're trying to do is we're trying to evolve digital marketing from attribution of tracking, which is like meaningless, to attribution of value. And I, I'll give you an example. So you know how attribution works. It's like they do track impressions, clicks, and so on but they give 100% of the credit to whoever tapped the user last. Now, yeah, this is an amazing business opportunity for fraudster publishers because that's what they've been doing, just focusing on tapping the users last. Multi-touch simply cannot happen in our industry because the big platforms don't expose data. And yeah, what, you know, this analogy to how the world works is like, you know, you have a football team, but you're saying, why, why do I need 11 players? I just need the guy who scores the goals. Well, my team will just have him and I'm going to win. That doesn't make sense. Everybody knows it doesn't make sense, but there was just simply no alternative. Now, on the other hand, you know, putting my own company aside, iOS 14 came. It was like, you know, so obvious that this will come, um, that Apple will, you know, kill the IDFA. And yeah, they're not killing it. You know, we can, uh, we cannot, we can also choose to not be extremists. They're not killing it, but in a way, you know, to move from deterministic attribution to probabilistic attribution is probably the revolution this industry needed because this industry is all at fault for what's going on. Right. And so iOS 14, uh, you know, and those changes, that was the impetus for us having this conversation. I, I don't want to get into the specifics of, um, of the changes because, you know, I've done that sort of, you know, ad nauseum on the website. So if people, you know, are still unclear about what changes iOS 14 um, is initiating, then they can read the last article I wrote on mobiledevmemo.com. But I think, um, so we, so talking about, you know, the predictability of this, right? The, the foreseeability of this, like we had a conversation last year uh, in San Francisco, you were visiting and we were talking about this, right? I mean, this must've been, November, December, maybe, no, maybe October, November. Yeah. So October, November, 2019. And I mean, we were, I remember the sort of tone of the conversation being like, look, advertising IDs are inevitably going to be deprecated or killed, right? What, what is the next kind of two to three years look like? And then that was, um, I think that was sort of, th that line of questioning was the basis, you know, on which you formed your company. Um, this was foreseeable, right? I mean, this was something that I think anybody who was kind of paying attention knew was going to come. I, you know, no one knew what the timing would be. I mean, I wrote, I wrote my post in February predicting that this would happen at WWDC, kind of in it with a different, with a, a little bit of a different rollout, but roughly the same as it happened. Um, you know, and th that was February, so not not that long ago, but still, you know, five months ago, people. But I've been writing about, you know, what, what is a company going to do if the IDFA goes away for, for probably more than a year, for maybe 18 months, right? And so I think, to your point about, 
yeah, this is something that needed to happen on the measurement side. Well, I think it kind of already was. I mean, there are companies that have shifted a lot of focus to incrementality measurement. And I think the need for that has existed for probably two to three years, right? And I think, you know, you mentioned like kind of at the beginning of your, your intro, uh, you know, the SANs have a privileged position here, right? Because they self-attribute and they kind of have, you know, the, the, the sort of best access to that last click, right? Or at least the best self-reported access to that last click. So could you kind of, and I mean, you, you've informed a lot of my thinking here, so I'll just kind of let you run with this, but like, tell me why that's a problem. Why, why has it always been a problem? Why has it always been a problem for, um, you know, sort of the idea of discrete measurement that SANs get to self-report? Well, you know, if you're big enough, it's like, obviously they're going to do it. I remember when a friend of mine was working for Platica and um, he, he was one of the first 10 to beta test like um, Facebook mobile advertising. And I remember him calling me on the first day saying, Whoa, wow, my or the results are fantastic. Me calling me on the second day, uh, yeah, my or so they're kind of attributing everything. Uh, so it's not as fantastic, but it looks good. Now, like when Facebook came to mobile, you remember, it was like pretty late in the game. There was already quite a lot of companies doing it well, and everybody was like, Oh, what's mo Facebook's mobile strategy? What's Facebook? Well, like, it's like 2014, 15. I guess, or not, even earlier, man. Yeah, um, and then when they came, why not claim I generated this conversion? Like, why not? They're big enough to claim so, and who's gonna say, well, I don't wanna work with you since they know just about everything. And I think Facebook also showed the world when they came up with their mobile advertising product is that they were stronger than Facebook, uh, Google, sorry. Like Google, when it comes to desktop, like nothing beats search. And Facebook really played an amazing part in mobile. And it's just obvious for them to say, well, you know, we, we touched this user, so we are responsible for this conversion. MMPs back then, like, had good intent, for sure. Like, I think that in 2012, when some of the MMPs were, like, launched in the world, they had great intent. And back then, you know, an average marketer worked with, a lot of vendors and they needed really this like deduplication, but then other companies came and also said, well, I'm going to self-attribute as well. And I think what, uh, what kind of like ruined this wave was, was fraud in a way. And the fact that back then there was no other way. So MMPs had to give some kind of an attribution and the only way they could do it was based on last touch points on their systems. So that you as an advertiser could kind of see, okay, well, Facebook claims this, but this is what I see. Now, problem is that so many bad players came into this industry and started spamming users with clicks, auto redirects, bots, SDK spoofing. What, what is SDK spoofing? Just, just so we understand, it's someone who doesn't even like trigger an impression or a click. They just simulate everything on the attribution company and the attribution company tells the advertiser, well, here's a million conversions. The app developer looks into their like Apple connect or uh, Google and sees, well, there's like zero. Frosters just needed to hack the attribution mechanics, which was not that difficult. Now, yeah, for a while, this is kind of how things were and more and more advertisers, I think with the eruption of this fraud topic, more and more advertisers understood it's not really necessarily a fraud concern, it's an attribution concern. And then the question is, if we're working with so many vendors, who many of them self-attribute, 
even the ones who have legitimate inventory. We also work with vendors who we have no idea what they're getting their inventory. Um, what's the actual value we're getting? Okay. And of course, there were some experiments done. There were some advertisers who turned everything off other than Facebook and saw that suddenly Facebook is attributing more. So, okay, there's an overlap there. But there were also instances where advertisers, I don't know, for some reason had to stop everything and then saw that, wait a minute, my organics are not going down. Infamous Uber, Uber lawsuit. I don't know what caused Uber to stop all campaigns, but that was an obvious one. Like you're spending, I don't know how much, you're getting how many clicks a day, which makes absolutely no rational sense, but you're saying we're gonna spend money. Um, and well, that, I think what, what caused them this to, so they ramped up spend. So like, I, I, I spent a lot of time studying that, that lawsuit um, and they ramped spend up because they, they, were, they were, I mean, if you, um, I think if you would, if you could somehow uh, conjure up a list of uh, the least scrupulous sort of partners in the mobile advertising space, uh, that list would overlap pretty significantly with Uber's, <laughs> with Uber's traffic sources circa 19, or so 2018, yeah. um, going, you know, ahead of that fraud lawsuit. And so what happened was like, uh, you know, th th their performance was kind of middling and they were using basically these companies that, I mean, I don't know, if you just went to a conference and pulled yeah. someone random uh, aside and you say, hey, you know, should I work with company X? They'd say, no way, don't do that. Like, I mean, it was just like common knowledge that the people that they were working with, um, you know, were, were not trustworthy. But, you know, putting that aside, put, putting aside, I mean, and there, I think there's a whole like psychological component to this, or not, not even psychological, well, but I mean, just like bad incentives right? Like there's a whole sort of like workplace psychology and sort of like workplace incentivization component to that, which is that like, I think the people that were buying traffic for Uber were being sort of compensated with a bonus structure that incentivized them to spend a lot of money and, and also disincentivized them to sort of look into performance, you know, um, against some sort of baseline. But anyway, putting that aside, uh, you know, they should have known better. Like yeah, but I think, I think that case, by the way, was a trigger for many people in the industry to like take, by the way, it's not even an analytical look. It's just take a heuristics look and say, we got yesterday 400 million clicks in the US. Right. That does not <laughs> can't <make> possibly. <laughs> yeah, this does not make sense. And by the way, one of the things that led me into um, launching the company I'm launching was, so, you know, I, I never ran Uber as Uplift. We never ran it. You know why? Because like when I got that contract from the agency, I read it and told my guys, guys, we cannot sign it. Like we need to make, like we need to ask the agency to like negotiate some of the clause here. And the agency told us, well, every other network is signing it as is. It's like, dudes, that's, that's, that's not a good thing. Like you need to understand. And I'm so happy. But really as a CEO of a former media company, I often had no idea, am I actually giving value to the customers? Because I'm 100% reliant on third-party attribution, which tells me this is what you generated. And if that third-party attribution is hacked and three years later, someone comes and says, well, we never actually got those conversions, I end up being responsible. And that was like such a pain trying to understand, so what is their part, okay? If they're supposedly attributing 
based on whoever touched the user last and like they're giving all credit, it makes no sense. None of it makes sense. And I started really questioning how could this done, be done better, okay? So yeah, last year, by the way, originally I started looking into attribution as a service, okay? We're gonna come to you and build an on-site attribution for you based on your first party data to kind of look into the um, user funnel and um, do multi-touch. You can't really do that, especially since you need a, an MMP badge to get any data from Facebook, even though they're cutting this access more and more. So that was a irrelevant one. And then we started hearing more and more and more the term incrementality. Like this is what actually matters. Like most marketers know there's waste. They just don't really know how to resolve it. Some of them do tests, but they end up with correlation. Like, you know, you'll see that ice cream sales and shark attacks pretty much come up in the same months. It doesn't mean much. Um, yeah, so we started really working on incrementality measurement. Like how can we actually um, measure value? Yes, it's not gonna be deterministic, but now nothing's gonna be deterministic. Right, and I kind of want to. I want to just sort of zero in on this idea that incrementality was kind of a pressing, um, you know, sort of uh, critical issue, even before. And we'll get into the iOS fourteen stuff. But I want to. I want to kind of, um, you know, highlight why. Right. So okay, I think, and I've written about you know this a lot. But I, my kind of stance on this has been that you know people sort of, um, like they they kind of convince themselves that the marking that they were doing was efficient and that the data that they were getting from their attribution companies um, was, was reliable and trustworthy and, and you know, that their measurement was basically bottoms up perfect, right? So like they were convincing themselves that, hey, all of this stuff is discreetly measurable, it's deterministic, and I can trust that this data um, is like fully representative of the way that the, the ecosystem um, is sort of uh, producing uh, installs from my ad buys, right? And that was just, has not been the case, maybe ever. But I think in the last two years, uh, it has not been the case um, to a very high degree, right? So I think, you know, A, more of the big media sources are self-attributing, right? It's not just Facebook and Google, it's Snap, it's Pinterest, um, and now TikTok. Right. And B, I mean, there just aren't like, you know, if you think about the mobile ecosystem circa 2014, you know, new hardware sales were increasing every year. People were coming online with smartphones for the first time and the sort of pool of, of potential users was growing all the time. Well, that changed. I mean, that's not the case anymore. That that peaked in like 2017, 2018. And so now, I mean, all smartphone, almost all smartphone sales are replacement cycle sales. Everyone has all the apps that they, you know, uh, kind of, you know, uh, uh, innately need, right? And any sort of, any kind of app install is going to be based on an ad click, right? I mean, it's putting an ad in front of a user and convincing them with that ad that they need your app, right? Or that they should try it. Yeah. And as a result of that, like all of these networks and, you know, with, with a higher proportion of them every year be, being self-attributing um, are just sort of lording over this kind of stagnant group of people and these people are just sort of like uh swirling around uh within the over within the overlapping oversight of all of these channels and so for that reason like i'm spending money on twitter i'm spending money on on whatever i'm spending money on some dsp i'm spending money on 
on a video ad network. They're all seeing the same person. It's just Facebook poaches that last click because they're Facebook and they can sort of bully everyone. So like all the money that I'm spending on those other channels, you know, you could, you could talk about contribution to the click or whatever, but you just, because of last click, all that money essentially just resulted in nothing. Right. And it just inflates, inflates my kind of CPI costs and my CPA costs when those companies do generate installs, right. And generate, you know, action, downstream actions. And so for that reason, there's always been some level of overlap and an increasing level of overlap the last few years. Um, but because of Google and, and Facebook's uh, privileged position with respect to poaching that last click, they get all the credit for it and all that other money just kind of looks wasted. So I think, you know, uh, and then you layer in LAT, right, which happened in iOS 12, right? So then you've got this whole segment of users, which uh, as, a, as a proportion has been increasing since LAT launched up to about 30% now. Yeah. That just is untrackable. So, so how could you, I mean, how could you possibly think that you're really doing deterministic attribution? Like there's just no way that's been, that's, that, that could be a possibility, right? Like, to, and, and to a very high degree, right? Yeah, look, it's, I guess if you uh, tell yourself something enough uh, times, you start believing in it. And, and I think that is the case um, in many of these issues. And look, this, the problem of incrementality, um, you know, this famous like 100 plus year old quote, like half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. Trouble is, I don't know which half. Um, it, it's just the same. Uh, the question is like in 2020, you would have imagined that this would have been fixed. But I think the reason why it hasn't been fixed, again, it's just a step in the evolution of the industry we're at as is. Now, we've seen companies who really try to do things correctly or at least, well, a device graph, cross-device understanding the user, but there was like zero regards towards user privacy. And like, when was it, 2017, GDPR came out and like, it was already announced, like IDFA, is PII. Like, mm -hmm. if I get your IDFA, I can figure out your location, where you've been. Um, it's not rocket science, and it's just not secure for users. And Apple, by the way, you know, the world of advertising is not really what's in their interest. They want to sell hardware. They want to sell device. Now they want to sell more content as well. They don't want to uh, sell user data, for sure. Mm -hmm. And they want the user data for themselves. So they came up with the uh, sign up with Apple. They want to compete with the Googles and they want to compete with the Facebooks of the world. If that meant removing IDFA and let this industry figure out how it does attribution, I actually think that what they've done was the right thing to do because it's like it was extremely exploitable from a privacy standpoint, IDFA. Mm -hmm. And when it came to uh, uh, limit ad tracking, it's like, it was a glorified guesswork how this got attributed. I had absolutely no idea. I actually once ran an A-B test. Um, I wanted to do an ABC between three attribution companies, but I could only figure out how to do two. Um, when Apple got acquired, we got acquired by a company that has many games. So we integrated two MMPs and mm -hmm. tried to see what's the difference. It was a 10X difference on how they counted, what they counted, how they measured, and especially when it came to LET. Um, now, what we've done, by the way, was we intentionally booked the worst traffic, the absolute worst traffic, something that we knew would be either bots or crap or pop-ups or, and then we saw that the way these companies are 
kind of measuring who was last was, I, would, I don't want to say random, because obviously there's a lot of people there working very hard to try. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's some product manager who needs to figure out why will this be this and that, not this. But it's to call that deterministic, it's marketing. It's not mm-hmm. real. Yeah. And right. yeah, fingerprinting, absolute worst term the industry could ever come up with, but at least it kind of does, like says what it says, even though fingerprinting is supposed to be deterministic, fingerprinting is not even close to deterministic in mobile, uh, mobile attribution. It's mm-hmm. like a glorified guesswork. And we both know Apple's going to shut down that loop. They've done it on the, on the browser. They're going to do it as well. They even commented on it. Like, we spoke mm-hmm. in, you know, we spoke end of last year, but the Apple WebKit um, article came up in May 2019 saying, IDFA should not be on a user level. Like attribution should not be on a user level. Fingerprinting, no way. They will yeah. close this hole. And every time any company figures out a solution, they will close them. And maybe to the point of banning their SDKs, who knows? Like it happened with mm-hmm. and Facebook. It can happen with any of the other SDKs out there. Right, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good, you know, so, I, I, so I've, I've been hearing a lot of, you know, everyone's talking about fingerprinting, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's an easy thing to, to, to propose as, as, a, as, a, as a quick fix, right? And, uh, you, you know, I've been told, people have been telling me, look, you, your views on this are too extreme. Your views on this are too extreme. You've got to accept that there's going to be sort of like this, um, combination of approaches that 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 is used to sort of manage attribution going forward it's not just going to be one thing like there's going to be a sort of gentle sort of uh uh transition away and and there's going to be all these other technologies that are sort of used in concert to provide this capability and i mean the thing is though i'm not an ad tech exec right i'm not i'm i'm an analyst and so like my um my my inclination is to not think about you know what's going to happen in the next year 18 months um as a temporary solution my my instinct is to sort of jump to the to the to the perma solution which you know to fast forward ahead three to five years so to what we end up at right to the thing to the solution that we end up at and my sense is that you know any any one of these solutions that's that's proposed right now as like a quick fix it is just that it's a temporary quick fix that that will be um uh you know either made obsolete uh with the the whatever approach um comes after that which is more permanent and more durable or it'll be sort of outright banned by apple right it, you know it'll it'll come up uh it'll be introduced and apple will absolutely obliterate it with its ban hammer and that is fingerprinting is that in that latter group first of all fingerprinting is not it's not precise it's not precise enough to pay for Right. If I'm going to roll the dice, I'd rather just go with SK Ad Network and have my S- uncertainty there, because at least I know SK Ad Network is durable. Right? It's going to it's going to yeah, it's yeah. going to persist. And so if I'm rolling the dice. I'm not going to roll the dice on some you know approach that I know to be inaccurate and I also know is going to be banned. Second of all, Apple said in the WWDC presentation, fingerprinting is device tracking, and that <laughs> has to be accounted for. Um, with the opt-in mechanics. So if people haven't opted in, you're not allowed to fingerprint. I don't know why people keep bringing finger- fingerprinting up. It was specifically called out in the presentation as something uh, that would not be allowed. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, like you remember this, Apple deprecated UDID a couple of years ago. You remember, it was like 
like seven yeah, other, of course. seven under attempt to standards. Everybody basically said it'll be okay. And then they launched IDFA. Here, I think people are just in denial that Apple's not gonna really do this. They're gonna give us something else. They're not. It's like, they're not just wake up and smell the roses. It's, it's the ostrich head in the sand kind of saying, it'll be fine. It will be fine. By the way, for the marketer, it's going to be fine. You know, SKN network, at least it's better because it's a, it's a closed system. Yes, it's on an aggregated level. Yes, it's not perfect. Yes, they don't have campaign ID yet. Pretty sure that we will see improvement in SKN network. But I think that like last touch point attribution is a proxy for your real-time optimization. It is not your measurement, okay? Measurement of advertising should be done in retrospect, trying to understand what did I do? What did I gain? How do I do it better, okay? You don't, like in my example with uh, football, there's a reason why I don't use basketball as an example. You don't stop the play to change the player. You don't suddenly say, oh, freeze the ball midair. Okay, let's change the player. That's the attempt of real-time marketing when you're trying to constantly evaluate based on whoever touched the ball last. It makes absolutely no sense. So I'm not trying to fight the attribution companies because just the way attribution has been done, it just shouldn't have been even called attribution. It should have been, we're tracking stuff. Okay. We're mm -hmm. tracking clicks, we're tracking impressions, we're giving you an indicator of who th we think was the last one, but that's all we know. Okay. Problem is, I think that when the attribution companies started in basically fighting fraud, and I'm saying it with massive parentheses, because they're basically closing their loopholes um, and charging um, their customers for this product, this is when it became ridiculous. Now, you know, we both know there's one company who's just, you know, never charged for it. I appreciate them, I like them. Um, and it's not that I don't like the others, but it became this ridiculous uh, game that, and, and continues claiming that we have the answer. And right now, I think it's a panic mode because what can they do? Like, can they go and tell all their clients, oh, sorry, starting September, we have no idea how to track iOS? No, they're not gonna do that. They're gonna probably claim and stick to fingerprinting and some of them will just support SKED network, but like, uh, you know, you can charge people for air, premium air. You don't need an attribution company for SKED network, but I think many marketers who are so used to the dashboard, the reporting will probably use them. And I'm not saying again that there are bad companies or that their products don't work, but the claim that we have perfect attribution was just off. That's, that's kind of what I'm trying to at least come up with a completely different approach that is based on incrementality measurement, waste management, rather than tell you 100%, this is the, you know, this single impression that touched the user last, that's why the user converted and made purchases and now you have a lifetime value of a thousand bucks. That's not the case. Like that's simply not, not the case. Everybody knows it. Right, yeah. Um... Yeah, I think, I, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I received some kind of uh, unpleasant uh, uh, messages, um, you know, from people who worked those companies, you know, who didn't agree with my sort of assessment of the future of that, of the industry. And, and I mean, you know, I, I look, I, I get it. I mean, you're not, you, you're not going to come out and say, wow, you know, this was a curveball. We didn't see this coming. <laughs> Give us three months and we'll come up with a solution. 
Um, trust us. Like you can't say that. I mean, you'd have a run on the on the bank essentially. You'd have a run on uh, on on your sort of client contracts. Uh, I think, you know, the the PR strategy has been just kind of what you'd expect, and I don't I don't think it's uh, you know necessarily um, dishonest. It's just to say, well, you know, uh, you know, here here's 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 some uh, you know kind of uh, ambiguous um, ambiguous game plan. Uh, you know, and, and this is why I, this, these changes to iOS 14 are not a big deal, right? Because then we've got it handled and don't worry. I mean, I think, meanwhile, they're sort of like scrambling like crazy to come up with a plan internally. I, I would imagine, um, you know, those, those companies uh, are, are, are not a super fun place to work right now. Um, but, but I think, you know, in terms of the PR strategy, fine, I, I get that. I get, I get that you can't just come out and say, look, we have no idea what we're going to do, but we're working hard to figure it out. And we think we'll have something in place by September. Um, but I think, you know, if you, th my sense is that, you know, yeah, SKI network probably is the future. SKI network is that solution that's going to be in place in three to five years. I don't think Apple's going to backtrack here. I no, think no this is just what you have to accept as being the future. And so how do you do that? Right? Well, I mean, there's some value in just sort of aggregating all of the postbacks from SKI network to the ad, ne to, to the ad networks that supply the traffic. But, you know, I was talking to someone at a, at a big ad network the other day and they're saying, why would we pass this data back to an MMP? Hmm. Like that is absolutely not in our interest. I mean, at the very least, we charge them money for it, right? Because that's our first party data. That's sent directly to us from Apple. That's not even the advertiser's data. Apple sent it to us, right? Now the advertiser could sort of demand it, but we're under sort of no obligation to do anything because it's our data. Um, and so I think you're going to have a really hard time. So right now the MMPs have, have, have uh, positioned themselves between the advertiser and the ad network. Right. And so, you know, they have uh, they have, you know, positioned themselves to have that sort of like absolute access. But with SKN Network, um, they're basically, you know, it, it, someone would have to sort of grant them that access through whatever, you know, through whatever means, either the advertiser pressures the ad network. Say, hey, look, you, I'm not going to work with you unless you send these postbacks to the MMP, because that's how that's how I aggregate all this data. Um, you know, or for whatever reason, it benefits the ad network, which might be just, hey, you got to pay. Um, so I think, and then also like, like you said, me as an advertiser, I could just build that functionality. I could just tell the, the ad network, Hey, you gotta, you gotta post this data back to me because I need to aggregate it. Um, and you gotta build an API to do that. And, 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 and then I could just build a system, a script, basically, I don't think it would be that hard that just scrapes or that goes every, every day to the API and pulls all the data from the day before and then aggregates it in the database. Like that's not, I mean, now you're talking about like a system that's kind of like singulars, right? So like w with the cost aggregation, like, yeah, yeah. yes, advertisers could have built that and some did, but like a lot of them just said, Hey, you know what? It's kind of a pain to maintain it. I'm just going to have singular do it. Right. And so I'll, I'll uh, tell you in there. So first of all, I think that, you know, the player as well. I think there's two ad networks who are right now coming up with how do we become self-attributing from now to September and Mm -hmm. Guaranteed that they will do it because they're smart enough and they know that this is an opportunity for them. Now, what I haven't seen with SK Network is how's the reporting going to look like? Because if Apple gives advertisers a decent enough reporting, like MMPs become redundant. Okay, if you you're used to a certain like reporting layout and so on, I think Singular has an advantage here for sure because they have a pretty nice dashboard. It's cool. They do cost segregation already. And they were the first to announce um, support, but it's in a way like the MMPs become kind of like a reporting layer on top of another reporting layer. It's mm -hmm. it's kind of what happened with uh, like Facebook marketing partners, you know, the um, nannigans of the world and so on. That you yeah. 
used to have amazing optimization layers on top of Facebook and then Facebook got it like better and yeah. they've kind of become redundant. And um, again, it doesn't mean that they will die tomorrow. Some of them have amazing visions and amazing stories, but you could see from the uh, PR, PR style response on some of their blogs, <laughs> some of them are pretty much just venting like, Oh, Apple shouldn't have done that. It's like, uh, okay. Um, some of them, you see that they're stressed. I think that they will figure out a solution for their company, but attribution as is on iOS becomes irrelevant in September. I give it maximum one year until the same happens in Google. Google is mm -hmm. never a leader when it comes to privacy steps because they make their money on ads, but um, they will follow. They will have absolutely no choice. Right, and well, they've already sort of indicated that they want to displace this segment of the industry, right, with Firebase, because they they've been they've been trying to move people to Firebase attribution, and they've been incentivizing that too. Yeah. Um, so, I, I think Google. There, there's every reason to, to suspect that Google follows suit here. I, I mean, I guess the question is, do they watch and learn from the SKI network rollout? right? Do they sort of wait and see, okay, well, what is missing here and how do we sort of use that, that to our advantage? Look, on, on Chrome, on Chrome browsers, like we have, a, we have a date, okay, in the future, June 1st, mm -hmm. 2021, uh, cookies obsolete, sandbox, okay? It is a very similar approach. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, like I think to, for Google to engineer a solution for mobile apps, probably not uh, they would probably do it better than Apple. They would probably not miss out things like creative ID, <laughs> like maybe, you know, a bit more IDs for campaigns and so on. Um, but um, again, they will just follow, they will not leave. They will just sweat it out a little bit and they will do it just because they're forced to, not because they want to, you know. Right. Um, okay, so now where do we go, right? So we talked about, you know, hey, look, incrementality has actually been, you know, a pretty critical concern. It's not new. It's not, it, the, the need for this has not been introduced since iOS 14. This was something that people should have been thinking about for the last few years. Talked about why fingerprinting isn't really a viable solution, right? I mean, it's just not. Um, what, how do people, what happens, uh, you know, October-ish, November-ish, December-ish? How, how do people move forward with this? Um, and I mean, obviously, the reason I wanted to bring you on is a, you know, you're just very well informed and have a have you know sort of great insight here. And but B, I mean, you you're starting a company that does incrementality measurement, right? So I mean, I think you 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 believe like I do, right, that this is kind of the way forward. So how what what does this mean for advertisers? What does this mean for their budgets? What does this mean for the way that they think about return on ad spend and and and, and concepts like that? Yeah. Well, I think short term, because again, many of the, many of the spend currently distributed amongst many players will just not operate as it is. Um, the whole supply chain is going to be changed. Think of what happens to hypercasual. Hypercasual is a massive supply bucket these days, which will not die, but it will take a big hit because, uh, unless you have a massive hit that is already generating crazy ROI, you're going to be more careful spending a million bucks a day on promoting this hyper casual app that generates enormous amount of traffic for many other advertisers. So there will be a hit for the supply chain um, for short term. I think many advertisers were gonna, are going to be cautious or they're going to probably put more on Facebook and Google because, well, that's what you usually do. And when you have risk and concerns, 
I think that some of the opportunistic networks who have SDK inventory will be smart enough to take this opportunity and become um, self-attributing. And I think this will give me an amazing opportunity to for market share and when it comes to incrementality measurements. You know, we said no self-promotion, but it's just, I think it's just the reality of, uh, that, is, that is there. Uh, I already am speaking, you know, quite a lot of very large app developer advertisers who are now working on supporting um, or, or basically not supporting, but like utilizing SK Ad Network because, well, it's been costing them a fortune, of course, like attribution has been costing them another fortune, anti-fraud. Here, at least they'll have some kind of a, you know, in a way, a closed ecosystem. Affiliation for sure doesn't exist in iOS 14 because, well, you need some kind of a direct uh, connection with the publisher. What I am worried about, which is kind of like a huge setback for the industry is programmatic. I have no idea how programmatic will operate in the SK Ad Network world. Like will Mopub get the SK Ad Network integration and pass it to the DSP, passing them the postbacks. They don't even have the infrastructure to do postbacks. So this one is something I'm curious about and like you know when gdpr was um, like came out like idfa traffic in europe went to pretty much zero and that climbed that back up um there will be a there will be a short-term hit mess and then the mess will kind of fix itself out but hopefully like in a healthy way this time around like in a healthy way and i think when when google follows it will be just, you know, this will be the industry that the industry needs to have been um, all these years and not this chaotic mess. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Um, yeah, programmatic is another. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how that works with the exchanges and the DSPs. Like, are they going to pass that data to DSP and then the DSP passes it to, to who? Like, uh, I guess to the advertiser, but... How, how, how is that going to work? Why? And again, why would the, would the exchanges be incentivized to pass it back to yeah. the DSP? Like, probably not. Like, they probably... Um, I don't know. I, and I think, uh, my sense is that, you know, and I've been kind of hammering on this idea of media mix models for a while. And I think, you know, some of the pushback on that is like, well, look, I mean, this is digital marketing. Media mix models is kind of like an offline approach. Hmm. You know, this, this is not a sort of digital centric approach. We have a sort of, there's a, there's a direct, there is a direct sort of trackable moment. So if, so given that that exists, we should fully utilize it because that's the advantage of digital, right? But I mean, I think, you know, if Apple just kind of, at, least, at the very least, obfuscated the ability to, to the obfuscated the source of that, right? Like at the user level, I, I guess then, then, I mean, you just kind of have to move up to the sort of next abstraction layer for measurement, which is probabilistic, right? So, but my sense is that like SKNR actually provides a lot of what you want, right? Yeah. And I think, I don't believe it actually lacks that much context. I, I do believe that you could run a robust uh, sort of advertising centric consumer tech company, right? I mean, by that, I mean a company that grows primarily through advertising um, via SK Ad Network, you're just gonna have to, so the media mix model like that you're thinking about kind of combines whatever attributability you have with the sort of directness of DR, you know, digital advertising, which is the SKA network post back with then some probabilistic, um, you know, uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, measurement, right? I, I do think there's like a kind of 
a way that those things overlap so that it's not like a media mix model where you're measuring the impact of TV and radio and, and coupons in a newspaper. But you do, like, we do have measurable data. Now, my, my problem with SKI Network is they don't provide enough, enough context around the conversion events. Right. I think if they do that, if they added that, I think you'd have a lot more to go on. Like if they added sort of some, and I'm, I'm my article for this week is about, Hey, Apple, here's what, I, here's how I think you can make SK. I know really great. If, if we got even at the campaign level, just, just um, cumulative spend. Right. And even if you kept it within that window, even if you kept the weird timer system, but even if we just got, or, you know, you just made it three day or something. Um, and then added that random second timer to obfuscate. Like, I think that would be so much more, helpful and that would basically i think that would basically provide you as much value as you're getting now from attribution because like i said it's just not deterministic it's just it's it's positioned that way but it's not um so i think you'd be getting with the scan network you'd be getting as much value for free from the first party source as you do now with increment with uh with with attribution and of course you need some sort of incrementality measurement system on top of that to sort of help you balance the budget distribution maybe actually one thing that would be important to talk about is when you say incrementality, right? What, how, how does that, so I think people understand the concept in terms of like, hey, when I spend an incremental dollar, you know, in this setup, um, you know, I make, you know, an incremental dollar in, in one cent, right? Versus this setup where I make zero and yeah. I spent a dollar. So tell me, okay, so now that if, if I understand that concept, how do I as an advertiser, what do I do? What, what does that, in practice, what does that mean? How does it affect my workflow? Like, what am I doing when I realize that something's more incremental than another thing? Well, I want to I want to take a step back on something that you know we, we constantly use the word deterministic probabilistic, but in a way it's like we're selling this to ourselves as well because was it ever deterministic? If you are spending on a user journey, you're getting the user's awareness, uh, interest, desire, action, but you're attributing on the last touch point. Was it ever deterministic? The only thing you knew was that indeed this was the last touch point. Okay, this is this user. That's the only thing that was deterministic, but it was not deterministic advertising. And actually, I, I very much agree with what you're saying about the media mix model. It's like, like when you're a Coca-Cola, when you're an offline brand who is not direct to consumer, you don't have the luxury of all this enormous amount of data to try to basically attribute on what's the billboard the user saw before going to the store and see and buying a Coke. Does this tell you that this user indeed bought is Coke zero because he saw and built it like makes no sense uh, like whatsoever. Now, the thing is that you need to kind of like measure your budgets constantly in a look back to understand, okay, what have I done? What was the impact? Yes, by the way, some of the um, companies today offer incrementality measurement on their platform. Like, you know, Remerge does it pretty well for incrementality. Facebook even offers incremental lift to kind of show you mm -hmm. this is the control group, this is not a control group. It's like incrementality is not a new concept. Right. But what we're basically trying to do uh, completely differently is we're looking at everything. We're looking at the changes and we're using causal inference, basically like um, algorithms from Google, from Netflix, from Uber to kind of always measure what would have happened if you didn't do this change, what did happen. Mm -hmm. We constantly right. try to give a score. Okay, this change added value. This change didn't add value. This new vendor you launched, well, they're only taking value from somewhere else. And this one actually has a lot of value. So the whole purpose is not to in real time make changes because 
like to try to do it on a user level, I think this was the mistake of the, the industry. I think this is like, um, you know, what, like what was the UA manager's role up to now was to try to do this like real-time manipulation by looking at cohort reports and trying to make sense out of like enormous amounts of data, but it makes no sense. Like mm-hmm. I think that the UA manager of the future, by the way, is a strategist, is a creative person, but the whole acquisition stack, it's basically the analytics product team. And we've seen it already. We've seen it with Lyft, who um, talk about marketing automation and basically like predicting. And you have companies like Algolift, who are actually doing an amazing job in trying to do real-time LTV prediction and budget changes. I think that's the trend we're going to see. Like, I think that the ad stack of the marketer of the future will probably be this like marketing operating system with a bunch of platforms and tools. Some of them will be for measurement. Some of them will be for LTV prediction. But I think that the concept of a UA manager uh, upping and lowering, uh, lowering bids is kind of like going to disappear. It's going to be more about the creatives, more about the strategy. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, I've been, I've been sort of beating that drum for a while. I, I mean, I, my sense is that if you look at a mobile, I don't even think you'd use the word UA anymore. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that term, that terminology went away. I think, you know, if you looked at the team that's responsible for mobile marketing, um, or let's say the team that's responsible for marketing at a mobile first company in three to five years, it's like a bunch of analysts and an engineering product manager um, and someone that kind of owns creative. And that's probably like the CMO would be like, would be like overseeing all this product development, which is like the internal, and I'm talking about a bigger company, right? Yeah. Would, would oversee like a product, a product team that, that, that drives this, um, you know, these analytics products and these automation products forward. And they'd also oversee like a creative director. And they'd probably also oversee like a, a, a data analyst team. Right. Like that would be, and, and they would said so that that person would need like probably an analytical background. And then the relationship with creative would just be like, Hey, I'm, I let you own, you own the sort of, um, you know, the production, uh, process and, but I'm, I'm just sort of helping you understand to interpret the data here so that you can make informed decisions about what creative to, to sort of, um, what, which themes, um, that you want to, that, that you want to pursue. Um, Mauer, this is a really fantastic discussion. I, I thank you for your time. How, how can people get in touch with you? How can they find you? How can they learn more about you and your company? Um, or at incremental.com, uh, minus all the vowels other, other than the A at the end. But you can also put it on your article as well. Well, okay, and I'll do that. Course, and, we'll, and of course, I'm on Mobile Dev Memo Slack channel as well. Mobile Dev Memo Slack channel, you can, Twitter, anything, LinkedIn? LinkedIn as well, yeah. I'm, I'm reachable. I've never, I've always been an open marketer. Awesome. Mar, uh, Mauer, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for this, um, this really uh, interesting discussion. And I wish you uh, a very happy weekend. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much, Eric. It was a pleasure.